Hello, this is James, and welcome back to The Word is Very Near You, my podcast about God's presence in our everyday lives. Thanks so much for being with me today. I'm in the midst of a series called Think and Do, which is based on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We have a running joke in our family that ever since the pandemic started, something must be wrong with our washer and dryer because a lot of our clothes just don't seem to fit anymore. Ha ha. And as you can imagine, like a lot of us, uh, we've put on some weight since the pandemic started. We haven't been to the gym as much. We haven't been getting out as much and exercising, probably eating more. And it just seems to be an uphill battle now to keep the weight off. And a lot of the clothes that we used to wear just don't fit anymore. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he's writing to a group of people and basically telling them the same thing that certain clothes no longer fit them. And here he's using clothes as a metaphor for certain patterns of behavior, certain ways they used to live, and telling them since they are now Christians and they're living the new life in Christ, that old ways of doing things, old patterns, no longer fit them, and they should take them off the way that they remove clothes that no longer fit them. I'm in Ephesians 4 today, starting in verse 17. Paul writes, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, and separated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesus was a large, bustling, prosperous city. It was the most important city in the Roman province of Asia Minor. It had a large harbor. It had a temple to the goddess Artemis that ranked as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was a large, imposing structure. So visualize with me for a minute this large, bustling commercial city with all of its noise and hustle and bustle lots happening every single day and in the midst of this large city you have a tiny outpost of christians a small christian community who are very few in number most likely and who are a little odd different because instead of worshiping artemis at the great temple They worship a God who they say is invisible and doesn't need a temple made by human hands. I think it's clear from the passage here that the Christians in Ephesus were under significant pressure to return to their old way of life. Paul references words here like sensuality, impurity, greed, deceit, the business and the commerce and the worship of the Roman gods and goddesses was a very different lifestyle than the life of following Christ. And in this large, prosperous city, 
these Christians would have struggled, I believe, to maintain their new identity against a sea of people who thought them weird and odd and didn't understand these new beliefs. In Acts chapter 19, when Paul visits Ephesus, he unintentionally causes a riot because of the things he says and does. The locals there are so threatened by him and the things he is doing that they're worried about the loss of their business and they're worried about people not going to the temple to worship Artemis anymore. And it becomes a a big problem. And so it's against this backdrop that Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians. And again, the concern is that they might drift back against great public pressure to their old ways and old lives. So it's against that backdrop that we have these words in chapter 4 about the Ephesians returning to their old way of life. And I think there's application here for a lot of us because most of us have a story of before Christ and after Christ in our lives. We can point back to the time before we walked with God or knew God and the ways we used to live and sometimes how we experience the pull of the old life and going back to old patterns and ways of doing things that weren't healthy, that were destructive, actually. Old habits die hard, as the saying goes. And that's true whether our past is very checkered and we have a dramatic conversion story of coming out of addiction or other vices, or whether you're like me who grew up going to church but still has the story of moving from religion to a relationship with Christ. The pull of my old life that I most feel is not drugs or sex or some other addiction, but rather the pull of religion, the pull of trying really hard to be a good person, trying to be moral, trying to be a Boy Scout, trying to be a straight-A student, working hard through my own efforts and abilities to attain some kind of right standing before God. And while that may sound fairly tame compared to the stuff that Paul is describing here in his letter, I can assure you that that allure is much more subtle and just as deadly because it causes me to take my eyes off of God and his grace and puts my eyes back on me and my self-sufficiency, my willpower, my ability to live the Christian life, which of course is finite. So what about you? What are some ways that you feel the pull of your old life, the old ways of doing things, the old clothes you used to wear that don't fit you anymore? We all struggle in some ways with that, don't we? So in short, this is a passage about transformation. How are we changed? How do we grow into true Christ-likeness? Or as Paul says in verse 24, in true righteousness and holiness. How does that happen? I think this passage offers us a few clues. There's a beautiful phrase in verse 20. In the original language, it reads this, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Learned Christ, not learned about Christ or memorized Bible verses about him or learned information about him, but learned Christ. It's a much more relational idea there than we're used to thinking about learning Christ. What does it mean to learn Christ? And I think about images that Dallas Willard, one of my favorite spiritual writers, has made popular. 
that it's this idea of apprenticeship, that as Christians, we are people who are called to apprentice ourselves to the master, Jesus, and learn from him, and not just learn facts about him, but to learn from him. And so that involves taking time, spending time with him, reading the Bible, praying, being quiet, being silent, and listening, and learning from the Master. As Christians, we are called to apprentice ourselves to the Master Jesus so we can learn Christ. Verses 20 and 21 also reference the Ephesians being taught, being taught about Jesus and being taught in regard to their former way of life to put off their old selves. And so that implies that there are people like Paul and his colleagues who were teaching them. And so we all need teachers in our lives, no matter how advanced we think we are spiritually, no matter how much we think we've learned, there's always room to be taught and to grow. So who are the teachers in your life? Who are the people who are still teaching you? They may be living people in your church or your neighborhood or your community. They may be people who have passed on, but who've left behind books or other resources for you to learn from. There's always room to learn. The adventure of learning never quite ends, does it? And verse 23, which reads, To be made new in the attitude of your minds, also gives us a hint about how transformation occurs. Transformation is truly an inside job. It's not just a matter of changing our behaviors, though that's certainly the goal and the desired outcome. But it starts on the inside. It starts by learning how to think new thoughts and understand new insights. It involves a changing of our mind. One of the ways that Jesus told his followers that we were to love God is with all of our minds. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. So again, it speaks of the place of learning and being taught and gaining new insight into how the spiritual realm works. So as I record this morning, it's the first day of Lent on the Christian calendar. And Lent is this run-up to Easter, and it's a time when Christians typically introspect and reflect and look inside and pay attention to the ways that the old self, the old life, might be impinging on the new life. And we look for ways to keep taking off the old self and look for ways to put on the new self. So Lent can be a great time to think about these kinds of things and think about maybe one practical way you can begin to take off or put down some of the old habits that are creeping into your life. And don't try to take on all of them at once, but maybe focus on just one of those and what's a simple way to begin taking that off. And it's not just about self-denial and putting something down, but Lent can also be a great time to add something new, to add a new practice like a time of prayer or Bible reading or silence or giving or serving someone else. There's all kinds of ways to approach this. But I encourage you in this season of reflection to think about ways that you can keep putting down or putting off the old self and putting on the new self. All kinds of ways we can do that. And I would remind you that nowhere in this passage does Paul suggest that we do this through an act of sheer willpower, that it's totally up to us. Remember, he spent the first three chapters of this letter talking about all the amazing things God has done for us in Christ and how salvation is God's doing. God has rescued us. God has sent Jesus to come for us and save us, not just from the old life, but to live 
a new life, the life of the Spirit. It's God who empowers us. It's God who leads us to transformation and to change. We don't transform ourselves. God transforms us through the power of his Holy Spirit working in us. That is the great news of the gospel today. So I hope that you are encouraged by that. I hope that you will join me in this journey of Lent to continue taking off the clothes of the old self and to continue putting on the clothes of the new self. This has been The Word is Very Near You. Thanks so much for listening today. I'll be back soon with another devotion.